Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Today we are talking health with our panel. I've always been interested in health, nutrition, exercise, supplements, sleep, you name it. I've read countless studies, books, attended seminars. One thing I've never done until this year is work out with an expert. What a difference that makes. Success is not defined by a position. It's not defined by money. Success is individual. Success is customized. Success is when you are at your maximum capacity, reaching your potential in all areas of your life. Some people think the opposite of success is failure, but I say the opposite of success is mediocrity. Failure means you reached for something. It means you were in the game. Mediocrity, that's blah, right? That's an indicator you're on the couch watching others engage in the game while you're comfortably settled in. To reach maximum capacity, that means thinking about and acting on your health. I love what Timothy Tobin said. He wrote a book called Peak Leadership Fitness. When I interviewed him, he said that leadership is an endurance activity, and to be at your best requires your full and best energy, which I think is all about health. Exercise helps us in so many ways. Mentally, it helps us focus, can help treat depression, gives us energy, helps us prevent all sorts of diseases. It improves your mood. And sleep, I've learned recently, really helps with that. And it lowers your blood pressure. It even changes our brain. Dr. Scott McGinnis, a neurologist and instructor at Harvard Medical School, said this, even more exciting is the finding that engaging in a program of regular exercise of moderate intensity over six months is associated in an increase in the volume of selected brain regions. Who doesn't want to increase selected regions of their brain capacity? I mean, that is something you can't resist. Bottom line is this. The NIH says studies provide compelling evidence that regular physical activity and a high fitness level are associated with a reduced risk of premature death from any cause. That's how powerful it is. Joining me today to talk about leadership and health is an all-star panel. Tammy Spade, an executive in Purpose, Place, and People. I'm going to say it each time differently. You've got it right. You all know her. She's been on this podcast many times, every time. Welcome, Tammy. Thank you. And Drew Bordas, who's an operations executive. You know him. Know him. Love him. I've got a fan club now. The problem is in getting into the studio is the many fans that are lining the hallways. It's embarrassing. Cheering. It's, yeah. it's, a bit, it's a bit much. So welcome, Drew. And we also have Alex Kaur joining us. Alex manages a local business in Columbus, and he's a practical expert in diet and exercise. By practical, I mean this. I got to know him from our local gym, and when I saw him put down uh, the weight, and instead he just decided to just pick up the entire machine, fling it over his head, spin it around, throw it up in the air, and juggle the machines and drop it. Well, that's the way it seemed to me. I thought, hmm. And then he graciously started giving me some pointers, and that has really helped me get back into shape and back on my own health journey and diet and exercise. So that means today all his other hats, your business hat, all those things will cast aside, and instead he's picking up his wellness expertise hat. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, Skip, for having me. Thank you, panel. What an introduction. It's what I do actually every time I go into the gym. I take the first machine I see and just start. 
flip it around. <laughs> I, I've noticed that. It's, it's, it's at least very practical, <laughs> yeah. Come watch that. So it is something. Well, we're living in stressful times, right? The demands of the job, the demands at home, add in a pandemic. It's just a lot to handle. So how do you personally make sure that you're not working and working and working and working and working and working? I mean, studies show that like we're working more than ever, those of us who have the opportunity and benefit to be able to work at home. The studies are showing that we're up 20, 30, 40% in number of hours. But how do you build in time in the midst of all this stress for you, for self-care? How are you or are you? building in time. Boy, you have hit a sore point for me because as we have moved to the full-time remote office, I felt like for probably six weeks, there was absolutely no border between work and home and every other part of my life. What I have learned is that every single day, and for me, it is a battle every single day to put borders in place, to put margins in place. Yesterday was a good example. Many meetings throughout the day, stressful meetings early in the morning to late in the evening night before, looking like it was going to be late that day. And I had this one block between 3 and 4 p.m. Alex would have been proud of me. I got up. It was a beautiful day. Put on my exercise clothes and did a you know big speed walk with and walk to the refrigerator. Well, <laughs> I've been doing that far too much. That's the other challenge of wellness in this particular time period is it's all right there, and you're not even going as far as you might normally. But you know, getting out and being active, if it's just a walk around the neighborhood, huge, huge benefit to something like that. So I, I think you do have to be very purposeful. You might not be able to do it at the same time every single day, but very purposeful about doing it. Big difference. And it's hard since every day here in Ohio is the perfect weather and you just can't wait to get outside. I mean, it's, it's pretty much like Hawaii, except I, it's I can't Ohio. believe I live here. Except we don't have the 14-day quarantine. Well, you know, except that and except sunshine and yeah. How about you, Drew? Time for self-care. Yeah, I don't. I'm finding it to be more of an issue with the pandemic and the lockdown and everything being unavailable than I am the working from home thing. My wife and I um, kind of explained it to each other as it's almost like a low grade fever of depression or anxiety where it's like, I wouldn't say I'm depressed, but God, I'm sick of reading the news and the Twitter feed and the gloom and doom. And just, I'm just sick of it. I'm finding it really hard to say, get out and run or do something. And, and the weather does not help. So I'll take any excuse to not exercise. And there's plenty right now. And Alex, I know you take time for self-care. I do. You, you never stop. Self-care is different for everyone, though. Working out, self-care in that sense, like it's always been a part of me. So I really do prioritize that. But there's other self-care. Like I, I feel like I don't rest enough. There's different sides of the story. But in regards to getting active out and working out, I definitely take my time for that. Yes, so how important is diet and exercise to leaders? How important? It's not something that they teach in business school, not something that they put in an orientation program usually at, at work. You don't go in and they say, our priority is to do that. I'm happy at the company that I lead. We win wellness awards every year, which is nice because employees really do care about their health and wellness and diet and all those different components. But how important is it? I mean, for me, I find, as we've already well documented, I'm not an exercise fiend. Um, but I do find it's a helpful kind of mental reset. I think that the phrase I use is when I get to the point where everybody around me is an idiot, I need to go for a jog because everybody <laughs> isn't an idiot. Maybe just a couple of them are. 
And so, you know, and, and I go for a jog and, and then I'm good again. So, I mean, there is something to it where it's just a, just get out of that. Funk. So it resets you. Yeah, it much. resets me. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I think for people who are in that position, it helps them tremendously, not only with reduce of stress, but just brain function. I mean, a lot of time, my best ideas or thoughts are when I'm working out or when I'm physically active. So I know that's the case for many others too. So it is a good time away from work, but it's also still in my mind throughout the workout just because that increase of brain activity in myself. Yeah, it lets you chew on yeah. something maybe. Yeah, A lot of thought process goes into it, and sometimes it's great to talk with people to it, but it's also great to self-analyze and reflect on things. I think that's a great point. As I shared the example from yesterday, I thought I've got to get, I got to go clear my mind on mm-hmm. this. It's almost a clearing it and then filling it again. I'll be honest, confession, I was a lifelong non-exerciser. I thought if I never start, then I won't start burning those calories and then I won't, I won't have to worry about that. I mean, that, that, that was like the weird rationalization. I like it. I, I can buy into this. However, then I got older and decided about three years ago that I really did need to pay more attention um, at this stage in my life. I couldn't just sort of go on sheer will. And so I joined a local gym program and became, I wouldn't say addicted, but very focused. I would on, say addicted. On, yeah, on For doing, because sure. <laughs> he knows. You are. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what, what uh, gym it is. But just being able to stay with that, you're absolutely right. Brain function, focus, memory, all those things. I do think it's important because when you think of wellness, we think of physical activity. And Skip, you may be talking about some other things here in a minute. But for me, filling my mind, Focusing on spiritual wellness is critical at some point in that 24-hour period in a very purposeful way, physical, emotional, certainly social in some cases. So wellness is multifaceted. Mm -hmm. It is multifaceted. There's not just one. I mean, I'm talking more about the physical components, but regular listeners of this podcast know that every one of those aspects are important, mental, spiritual, physical, emotional, social, all the different components. Well, when we think about success, about leadership, about teams, eating is something we don't usually think about. But study after study shows that eating right changes our mood, lowers our stress, fuels us to accomplish our goals. Now, I've studied nutrition for many years. I know that vegetables and fruits are important for fiber, micronutrients. There's bioflavonoids even in chocolate. I mean, I know the benefits of chocolate by heart because I'm ready for those. All of these things can prevent cancer, keep blood sugar in check. There's just a number of different things that's been ingrained in me. But Alex, you've taught me the power of fasting, that it's not only what you eat, but when you eat it. I want to jump into that and just direct some questions to you. Specifically, you advocate fasting, and I'd love our listeners to learn a little bit about this. Why is fasting a good idea? What benefits have you seen from fasting? I actually learned about it in my first year at college at Youngstown State. Me and my roommate were following this one person who we go to advice for every health question we really have, and he's a very big advocate on intermittent fasting is specifically what I do. There's fasting for religious aspects, for health aspects. I mean, there's different periods too, but fasting itself is really just refraining from food intake for a certain amount of time. It could be days. It could be just hours in a day. Um, And that's what intermittent fasting is for me. So intermittent fasting is really creating two windows. So you have a fasting window and then you have your eating window in a day. There's 16 hours of not eating, uh, no caloric intake, And then there's eight hours of the day where you just eat your regular meals. In that eight hours a day, you're not doing anything different. You're still getting your regular 
number of calories, regular food. You're not binge eating because you haven't ate before. I think a lot of people do that. Well, when you first got me on it, that's the exactly. I'm right. looking at the time and I'm going TikTok, which I is weird to think now. about too, because it's only a couple more hours. I mean, typically people do probably about a 12-12 split. You sleep for about seven hours. Uh, you don't eat your first meal until a couple hours into when you wake it up. And then I'm sure you're not eating directly before bed. So it's really a 12-12 split. So just refrain. You have definitely not seen my normal pattern. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you on the panel have been on the 12-12? Well, I was just going to ask if peanut M&Ms at midnight was yes. on the See, that was my biggest problem schedule. by far. I'm a big snacker at night. So for me not to have a bowl of cereal or ice cream is really hard. Mm, me too. But it has helped me a lot. And there's mental aspects as well as the uh, the health aspects. Mentally, I tell this to my friend who started this with me a lot. The mental focus I have when I'm not eating, so before my first meal of the day, is much more increased. It's probably at its peak. I mean, there's times where I'm working and working on something and so focused on something that 12 o'clock comes around, which is when I usually first eat my meal, and I forget to eat. Sometimes I tell Skip I haven't ate since two o'clock today, which isn't, it's not meaning I'm hungry, but I just, I'm so focused and don't want to lose that focus where I just prolong it a little My bit response more. is, don't worry, I've eaten for, for you. you. So it's fine. <laughs> so during that fast, do you eat or drink anything at all? Water? It's a true fast is no calories and typically no sweeteners too. So there are no calories. Oh, you sweeteners. just took out Tammy's Diet Coke. That's, Which well, is fine. When and you that's said the sweetener, very you didn't mean part. fake sweeteners. Right. <laughs> Feel, I'm feeling a little judged right now. Okay. <laughs> but typically water, black coffee, and unsweetened tea are probably the most things people drink. I'm a big coffee drinker, so and black coffee for me is what I prefer. I don't really prefer a creamer or anything else in it. So if you have creamer, it breaks the fast? It does break the fast. Any calorie intake in your fasting window will break the fast. And what that does is Fasting is really a state of the mind as well as the body. Um, when you have a sweetener, artificial or not, no calories or not, when you taste that sweetener, your brain is telling your body, oh, I have sugar, food, any type of thing that's other than typically what a fast would be, which is water, black coffee, or, or unsweetened tea. My heart is broken. <laughs> we can agree to disagree, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's all about ideas on this podcast. Yes. You don't have to follow them. It's just an idea. And what's good with coffee, too, is caffeine is a natural fat burner. So with black coffee being the purest form, one of the pure forms of caffeine, you're only burning more calories as you're fasting. So it is it is helpful to have coffee. I know, I know everyone's not the biggest fan of it, but it does help, I think. This is a time for a legal disclosure. All health recommendations on this <laughs> podcast, whether it be caffeine, fasting, et cetera, please do check with your physician before embarking on any nutrition or exercise program. Now back to <laughs> aim higher. So Alex, when you break the fast, should you eat something in particular to break that fast? Or do you just go right for the peanut M&Ms? You can go right for the peanut M&Ms if you want. That's the beautiful thing about fasting. But if you're really focused on... Tammy just cheered silently. <laughs> I did. If you're really focused on losing weight, cutting down fat and all that, you really want to have a high protein meal, the first thing you eat, and a low carb I typically try to stay away from low car from carbs until after the workout. And so as long as you go into a high protein, sometimes it's a, a protein shake, eggs, or anything I can really get my hands on at the time. But I'm not too restricted on it. But if you are specifically looking for that, you want a high protein meal. Drew, Tammy, have you tried any type of fasting? You mean like on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> you mean the meeting just when, didn't go long? When, when I'm sleeping? Yes. Well, I, I haven't eaten since 1230 today. 
So I guess I'm I'm fast. Uh, it's only twelve forty five. No, no. I know. I've, I've, I've I watched my heard. wife try it. Have you tried it, Tammy? I really I, haven't. I haven't. I, I haven't tried fasting a lot. Intermittent fasting, I have done some of that, probably more when I was younger. Exactly what you're talking about, where you just sort of wait till later in the day to start eating. And I probably wasn't doing it in quite the organized way that Alex has talked about it, but I definitely noticed a difference more in weight at the time, not necessarily. And it was just kind of schedule induced. I've noticed it to be something that you can just build up to. So at first, I'm just trying to cut out the nighttime eating and then lengthen the time in the morning. I'm not at the point of doing it in the same number of hours that Alex is because I'm old and struggling with doing that <laughs> because I love food, but it is helping to get there. So let's move to exercise. If I'm not in the gym every week, I'm just miserable. It helps me keep back pain away. Lately, as I said, it's helped me realize the incredible power it has on helping me sleep. And I just didn't realize all I didn't know in terms of exercise, even in terms of form at the gym, all those type different things, right? Different new things to challenge my body. So panel, what do you do, if anything, for exercise? Drew is silent next to me. Yes, well, I, I've done <laughs> <laughs> high intensity circuit training um, normally, but during the pandemic, just walking and then doing some programs that are shorter, kind of high intensity weight kinds of things, just through a virtual platform from the, you know, the living room or wherever my family won't laugh at me while I'm doing it. Yeah, I think my program is to, you know, occasionally make myself run. I have a love-hate relationship with running. I'll go through months where I'm getting really good at it and then months where I don't do it again and hate every second of it. So it's, yeah, it's a good program. Drew actually one year had the most hilarious New Year's resolution because he told me that his New Year's resolution, when did it start, in May? Well, March. March. I I didn't want to be one of those people. You didn't want to be one of those people to give it up right. in January, right. so he didn't start it until yeah. March. And it actually worked. It, it worked that year. It was the, the best year. See? That's yeah. that's innovative. And Alex is in the gym most every day or doing something at home or running. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the gym every day for about an hour. And if, if I'm not at the gym kind of in these times now, I'm, I'm doing a home workout or doing my doing my running, which I have. With a weighted vest. With the weighted vest now. He Thankfully. puts a fifty-pound vest on and then goes oh, for a run. Oh, that's brutal! I thought the incline yesterday, going up the sidewalk, was a little heavy. <laughs> yeah, I told you. And the thing is, he's running with the machine from the gym on his head and the weighted vest. It's really quite interesting. Impressive. Godspeed, man. Impressive. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, Alex also pushing me in the gym. He's rather a perfectionist when it comes to form, which is a huge help to me in not injuring myself. Alex, what would you say are the top three mistakes most people are making in their workouts? So you've seen people doing this. I've been at the gym when you kindly, not judgmentally looked at somebody and, um, and I said, what are they doing wrong? And he tells me, what are some of the mistakes you've seen people do in the gym? I am a big stickler on that. And I try to keep my mouth shut most of the time. And I'm very good at that. But form is just is so important, not only for injury prevention, but you really want to make sure you're, you're working out the right muscle and doing the things right to benefit you most. So one thing that I see in regards to form is just posture is a, is a crazy thing. Just sitting upright or when you uh, go to do a workout, having your uh, muscle activated before you even do a workout. So if I'm doing back, I have to engage my back, and then I can start the workout. It's just small things like that that you really wouldn't think about, and you really wouldn't know unless you kind of did some self-study or kind of asked for help. 
I noticed even something we were doing a bicep curl and I thought, oh, you know, pretty simple. You put a dumbbell in your hand and you're just, you know, lifting it up. But I didn't realize like I was swinging forward and it was actually, he's like, no, you're hitting your front of your shoulder, which of course is why I was over injuring it and hurting it all the time. And I wasn't doing my bicep at all, which is something that you wouldn't see because you're not aware of yourself and your movement. So getting a second set of eyes who, who actually knows what they're doing is extremely helpful because you don't always realize that. Well, and you can, you can mess yourself up. You I mean, can. Like I, with, the I, best, I, with the best of intentions, right? I'm, I have. I'm at the gym, I'm trying to do good things and then pinch my back or, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's exactly what I did actually. To get me on to form, I actually had a back injury in college. I ruptured my L4 or L5S1, um, lifting weights with my back instead of my legs. So ever since then through rehab and trying to learn more about it on myself, I think I've done really well on trying to get my form down in every aspect, not just my back, but just preventing injury elsewhere. And there are things I was told not to do because of my back. And I am very stubborn and that I still do them, but I make sure I do lightweight and and very good form. And my back has been as good as it has been maybe even before my injury. So I will say Alex is a very chilled guy in the gym. He's not worried about other things going on with one exception. So I thought that when I said, what's the biggest mistake, he would use this one. But if there's ever a time that he kind of just winces and his eyes close, it's if somebody drops a whole bunch of weights onto the floor. So if you do happen, and many fans that will see him, (laughs) if you do happen to see Alex in the gym, just drop some weights casually on the floor and watch his face because it is really fun to watch. He Nearly has a meltdown inside. Dropping so. weights, not putting weights back. Big grunts on. It's, it's just... Big grunts. Those get to me, too. So, Drew, what mistakes have you noticed people making in their workouts? <laughs> I'm in no position to judge other people. <laughs> sure you are. No, no. For me, it, was, it, it really was the back thing where I pinched a nerve doing the rowing machine, right? And I was, it put me out for Rowing's a couple, hard. And I was, but I was mad about it. So, like, here I am. I'm actually... I hate this. I hate every second of it. <laughs> finally trying to do something, and then this happens, give me, come on, <laughs> yeah. give me a break. I'm going to go back to the couch. Yeah, exactly. Tammy, you've also done uh, Orange Theory. What is their approach like? Well, it's about 60 minutes. You do a little bit of warm-up and kind of you know cool off, but it's about 20 minutes on a treadmill, and you're doing some sprints. You're also then doing some walking and jogging, but you're keeping your heart rate. The whole theory is you're keeping your heart rate at an elevated level, so you burn during the workout, but you also burn calories after rowing, which obviously Drew would not enjoy, but rowing, and then working on the floor, which could be flexibility, weights, usually a combination of those things. So you're doing 20 minutes in each of those areas, and you're, and you're moving very, very quickly between the two, always cleaning, of course, your equipment in between. Yeah, my wife Thank loves you. Orange Theory as well. It's, it's really, um, they're on to something. I don't, I don't know if it's the bands or being able to see your actual heart rate and compared to others, but it's... Well, that, really that's cool. the other dynamic is, you know, you're not competing, but you can sort of see where you are and you're trying to keep your heart rate for at least 12 minutes or more in a certain zone, which theoretically gets that afterburn. Interestingly, I went from not exercising at all, which this would be a mistake sometimes, to going into orange theory. So that was like going from zero to 100. And I literally, the very first time I walked out, I was too vain and proud to act like I didn't know how to do things or that I couldn't keep up. So I was trying to keep up with everyone. And when I left the studio the first time and stepped down onto the parking lot from the the step, I literally thought my legs were going to give out. 
they were like jelly. Yeah. And I just kept saying, oh, please let me get to the car. Please let me get to the car. I, I, did, <laughs> I did make that mistake with an intro cycling class where I actually just listened and tried to do what she said, and I shouldn't have. Yeah. It was I too much, th- too quick. But I'm, yeah. I, I follow direction. I said turn it to 11. I turn it to you 11. Are, you're so compliant. Now, does that stop you? Do you not go after that? After that certain amount of soreness? Well, I, co- I complained for, for a good two months afterwards. So I don't want to say there's nothing that happened afterward. Like, I got a lot of mileage. <laughs> <laughs> of and then, yeah, I have not been back. I would say that I was very dedicated that I was going to keep doing this. And this wasn't going to be something I was going to do for a short time. I also learned that soreness wasn't necessarily a bad thing. In mm-hmm. my earlier years when I would exercise and, and kind of be sore, I thought, that, oh, I have to stop. That's a bad thing. Well, when you keep going, that soreness works out. You're not as sore each time. Your muscles get stronger. I'm not a trainer. I'm not even trying to play one on a podcast. But that's just been my experience. You mentioned, you know, I don't want to be too vain or admit that I don't know these things. I think that is such a big mindset change that's necessary. I mean, in all aspects, we just talk about coaching and and mentoring and learning all the time and having that learning mindset. I think that when I came to a point this year of being willing, like, how do you know when you're ready for a mentor, a coach, someone to come along? Part of it is that old saying that, what is that saying? A student's ready and and then the teacher appears is how are you ready? And are you in the mindset where you want to learn? And you put aside the vanity, put aside, am I going to look stupid? And you just say, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. And when I did that this year, all of a sudden I met Alex and he's there and he's helping me, et cetera. And it, it really does make a difference to have somebody coaching you. And speaking of coaching, whenever you talk about great coaching, you have to think about the great coaches. And one of the great names of coaching football is, who do you think I'm going to say? Vince Lombardi. And whenever you have a quote from Vince Lombardi, he has some great quotes, obviously an incredible win-loss record. But he said, most people fail not because of lack of desire, but because of lack of commitment. Most people fail not because of lack of desire, but because of lack of commitment. Why is it that so many people let go of exercise so quickly? Why? So even when other goals are near and dear and they'll pursue them to no end, but exercise is pushed off to the side, and yet it's so very important. Why do we think that is? Well, it's important, but it's not easy. I mean, if it was easy, we'd all just look wonderful and nobody would be overweight and we'd all just be running around from building to building. And I mean, it's hard. And it takes, especially as you get older, right, the the metabolism changes and the pounds don't come off with the snap of a finger. Yeah, you can't um, run for a week and yeah, be back, and then back good to, to go, right? Yeah. It's not like when you're 20. You know, you have to commit to it to see any benefit. And that's that's tough. That takes willpower. So long, so part for you then would be people give up because not only is it hard, but it takes a long time to see results. And particularly the older you get, the longer and longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so delayed delayed gratification. Right. That's a good one. Yeah, those are the two I would have said right away. Just intimidation factor of going and doing it, either in gym or by yourself, but also the patience too. I think people don't see results as fast as they want to. And you really, in anything you do, you should always give it about two weeks to see the initial results and then move forward. So I think patience is is a big one for sure. And then intimidation, absolutely, because you think you go to a gym, you're going to see these hulking figures and that everyone's going to be looking at you because you're not the best in shape or you don't know what you're doing. And in my opinion, I don't think that's true. I think the gym People in gyms and whether it's a, just a weightlifting gym or CrossFit or Orange Theory, I think more people are supportive than judgmental. 
that's why I think going to do a group fitness class would be great, meeting people or even just talking to people who you think might know what they're doing. It is intimidating. I can see that. But that's a fear that I think should be abolished. And full disclosure, and we can edit it out if he doesn't allow it, but after he flips the machines off over his head, there's a little machine in our gym that you can get onto and you stand on and you hold this these two handles and it goes through your body and gives you your body fat. And he had like negative body fat. It means like other people's fat disappears when they walk by him. So I'm always in the gym. They pay me just to walk around. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. So have you ever heard of that before? Negative body fat. It just makes your body fat disappear if you're around him. It's I fabulous. love it. I love it. I wish we weren't social distancing. I would walk close. Yeah, but the, the amazing thing is when you all leave here today, you're going to go, why am I in such great shape? And it's beautiful. because he was on the podcast. That's really why we needed to have him here. Tammy, why do you think people give this one up? Well, I, I can speak for myself, and I think it's probably universal what we've said. We don't see the payoff. We're sore. It's time-consuming, maybe. It doesn't feel fun initially. And here's what I will say. Almost in every workout, at about the halfway point, I think, oh, I just can't because I'm looking at the clock. I don't think I can do 20 more minutes. And in every situation, when you kind of cross that halftime threshold, there's, for whatever reason, your body just gets into motion. And you're feeling good and you think, I could do a 90-minute workout rather than a 60-minute workout. I love that. Yeah. And then you get the payoff later. So it's really pushing through to the payoff and being ready. You know, no amount of preaching on this can get you ready. If you're ready and you're committed, and I wasn't for a long time and I wasn't out of shape, but again, as I got older, I just wanted to be healthier. And there were some, you know, good health reasons to do it. And then you start to see the payoff and you can get into it. But, you know, it's, it's easy. Sometimes even just around holidays or other periods of time, it's easy to get out of the pattern and then you kind of have to get back into it. You have to be really committed. Giving yourself a break sometimes I think is important too. Either rest or just have a little bit of downtime and not feel like I can never take that time. I always feel extraordinarily guilty if I take a day off and I shouldn't, but I do. I feel like, oh. Skip Pritchard feels guilty? If I take a day off of exercise. Wow. Guilt. Can't do it. It's the type of dedication you get on Aim Higher. That's it. So let's talk about another part of the equation of feeling good and health, and that is sleep. Sleep, right? First, the basics. Why do you think sleep is so important? So panel, how do you feel if you have had a solid week of absolutely miserable sleep? How do you feel? Oh, I'm terrible. I'm a horrible person to even be around. And that's rare for me. I, I can sleep anywhere. And I mean, I could sleep. But, you've, but we've all had it, But right? we've all had So what, right. what happens when you have that terrible yeah, time? I mean, just your fuse is shorter. I have no tolerance for any nonsense whatsoever. I mean, it's just, I'm just Only not. Only your own, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> but doesn't that you usually don't have tolerance for nonsense? What's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's it's kind of like that. You said short fuse, but it's outsized reactions to normal daily challenges. I find I, I have an outsized reaction that problems seem bigger than they are. Someone leaving a dirty cereal bowl in the sink seems like the end of the world. Yeah, when I when I don't have sleep. And it's not even just a whole week. If it's a day or two, it really it's also an age thing. I'm sorry, but when you're younger, when I was younger, you know, you could pull an all-nighter in college. You could kind of go on Which, by the fumes. way, incidentally, does not help. I always tell the 
College I, I never scrammers. did that either. It yeah. doesn't help. You actually, your brain will retain less information than if you just went to bed. Well, that's probably true, but it, for whatever reason, it was a pattern that would work for me at various points. I I'm won't say I, I retained did the same it. Thing. I crammed, <laughs> I did, did well too. on the test, and probably didn't retain 90% yeah, of I it. I did it too, but I taught my daughter early on. I'm like, the best thing to do mm-hmm. is go mm-hmm. to bed. As you get older, though, you find that it is much more important. Sleep is just critical. Eating, we were talking about earlier. Snacking, eating, wanting to eat more messes your appetite up if you don't get good sleep. Definitely plays with the hormones and well, and vice versa. Like that's I realized just recently. How old am I? I'm old enough where sausage on the pizza now equals heartburn at night. Ouch! Which was super depressing. Thank you. So do you eat it maybe earlier? Uh, yeah, I still eat it. I just know. I just know. <laughs> just suffer through at the four a.m. when I'm miserable. Here's why. Talk to me when you have tums next to your bed. Yeah. This podcast is depressing. Gosh, what are we doing? No. <laughs> How about when you've had a great night's sleep? How do I'm you hungry for pizza now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sausage. How do you feel about having a great night's sleep? How do you feel that next day? I find I can actually lift more weight in the gym. I mean, significantly more. My workouts are significantly different if I've slept than if I haven't. And I wouldn't have thought that. When I sleep, I mean, it is those mental things. You're more patient. I find that I'm able to ask questions and not give yelling answers because you're patient and you're there and you're pre- I find I'm more present. I think that's the that's the way I would put it. I'm more present if I've slept. To me it means such a great deal, a great night's sleep. And I've studied every which way to get good night's sleep and the dark room, the sounds of the ocean, earplugs. This is a surprise little tip for people. If you can't sleep sometimes, put socks on. Did you know that? I actually didn't know that, yeah. If you put socks on, for some reason, it will change your body temperature in just the right way. Now, you might take them off later in the night, but socks will help you sleep. Bizarre tips and things that I've learned over the years. That was the price of the podcast, just to get this weird tip. Try it. Melatonin, of course, you have to check with your doctor if you can take it and other things, but that's good. Magnesium is another one Alex was telling me about, which certainly uh, helps and triggers deep sleep. But stepping back from all of this, how does a focus on fitness, diet, sleep, and health practices in general help leaders overcome challenges? I think we touched base on it as we were talking about challenges in the gym. Tammy, you discussed it, that 20-minute mark where you feel like you can't go any further. I think overcoming adversity is something that's really huge. And I know for me, working out as something I could control, not only my emotions, but my stress level. And it was such a release for me just to be a better person. And I always feel great after a workout or any health aspect, whether it be eating, working out, sleep, like you said, it just makes me an overall better person and to be more present with someone else. So I think healthy people reflect health. So it's important to be in the best health and have those around you. Um, investing in health is very key to me. I think it, it helps you kind of be the best version of yourself, you know, right? And and we've, and we've touched on it, you know, throughout with whether it's mentally, physically, sleep, not being short with people, being more creative, being more purposeful, being more patient with the shortcomings of others, whatever it may be, that's your best leader. You don't have to be that way to be a good leader, but boy, it helps. And you don't have to make big goals either. Just I think making big goals is oftentimes people retract from exercising and health. I mean, there's small things you can do every day just to feel better. Like one thing I've read back in college and it was reiterated to me not too long ago was just making your bed every morning is just a feeling of accomplishment. And then just going to the gym can be an added accomplishment, losing a couple pounds or 
spending an hour rather than a couple minutes in the gym. It's a, it's a big challenge for people. Yeah. I Too big of a goals. And that's one other thing that Alex said to me over and over. You can overtrain. So if you get ambitious and say, I'm going to do this, right? He goes, you can overtrain. Is that how, what do you say you... There's theories on it everywhere. The theory that I follow is not to spend more than an hour in the gym. Anytime you spend doing extra of one thing, whether it be arms or a specific muscle group, there's a sweet spot. And if you go past that sweet spot, it's actually more damaging than, than good. And oftentimes, if you have that big goal, it's easy to go past that point. And then you don't realize, you know, I'm not in that zone because that's how we start off, right? Oh, we have this goal. I'm going to get back to it. I'm going to do this. And you overtrain. And he, he kept telling me, overtraining is a real thing. And pulling it back actually helps you go forward. And I think all of those disciplines we bring into work as better leaders. And so that's why so often, I think, in the corporate setting, we're drawn to athletes and coaches and games because it has directly applicable principles into life and into the boardroom and into the corporate setting because all of a sudden you realize no discipline and teamwork and all these things are important. So panel, what is from this quick overview of sleep and diet and exercise and all these things, what's just one practice you're going to focus on in the next 30 days from our discussion? When it quits raining, I'm going to go for a jog. Fantastic. When will that be? I think it's... It's either when I 14 get, days. Either when I drive to Georgia in a couple of weeks or when Columbus clears up, one or the other. It might be right now when we go outside. You might be out for a run this afternoon. Well, the next time I wake up and I can't sleep, I'm going to put on some socks. It's very strange. I'm going to try it. I'm, I'm going it's to try it. And strange. the other thing I'm going to do, so I'm going to say two things. In our area, we've just heard today that gyms are going to be allowed to reopen, I'm sure with some restrictions in this COVID, post-COVID era. And uh, so I'm excited to get back into that and to not let this period of not being in that structure continue. See, and I was just thinking, I got outsmarted by Tammy Spade yet again. Here, I'm offering to run and she's putting on socks. And I should <laughs> like, It's <laughs> a good plan. Uh, one thing for me, and I've really focused on it recently too, is just, sorry if I harp on this for a little longer than I should, but trying not to sit as long. I mean, recent studies I've seen and read through, sitting for too long is very bad for you. There's a saying called sitting's the new smoking. I don't know if, yes. if anyone has heard that or not, but as Skip stands up. <laughs> what I'm following now, and most of what I get from is from a person called uh, Dr. Jim Stepani. That's where I get probably most of my information from. He just came out with this article on the 30-60 rule. So every 30 minutes you sit down, you should add 60 seconds of some activity, not just standing, just some activity. Because when you sit down for 30 minutes or longer, your gene activation not only is blunts, but it's greatly reduced. So that's one thing I want to work on is just to be more active around. And that's killing us. We talked about it, I think, recently on these days of video calls where you've got to turn the video off and stand up, walk around, do something. So true. Otherwise, we just, I'm just finding I'm sitting in my chair in my office at home well, especially, all day. Especially now during the quarantine, yeah. too. Think about if you sleep, you wake up, drive to work. At work, you're mostly sitting. And then you go home, probably sit yourself in front of a TV and sit. I mean, sitting is majority of people's days. There are a lot of tips and great practices from this episode, and I hope people put some of them into practice and talk to their physician about all of the different things that they are going to embark on before they change their medication, add something else to their diet, change their habits. I don't know if they have to ask a physician about wearing socks. I but don't think so. I think socks are okay. I think okay. that would be okay. I'm the, yeah. lo- the, I'm lawyer asking. In, the lawyer in me says it's okay, and Drew's just defiant. <laughs> but if you want to aim higher, if you want to 
rise above mediocrity and soar at your highest level in life, you must make health a priority. It is a foundation to aiming higher. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.